It's Wednesday, May 5th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Liz Cheney, the number three Republican in the House, may have her days numbered as Republican conference chair. After calling out former President Trump again for statements he made about the 2020 elections, party leadership is saying that they are concerned about her ability to carry out the message in preparation for the midterm elections. Daniel Flatley, congressional reporter at Bloomberg News, joins us for what to know about the Republican divide. Next, the oldest millennials are turning 40, and according to a recent survey, 44% of them already have at least one chronic health condition. And with these conditions, the financial effects can also pile up. The top conditions affecting them are migraines, depression, asthma, diabetes, and hypertension. Megan Lenhart, senior money reporter at CNBC Make It, joins us for how these chronic conditions are affecting older millennials. Finally, part of the next phase of the vaccine effort is targeting those that are still hesitant or refusing to get their shots. The White House and public health experts are paying close attention to a recent focus group of vaccine skeptics that changed their minds. Dan Diamond, national health reporter at The Washington Post, joins us for why some are changing their minds on getting vaccinated. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. I have heard from members concerned about her ability to carry out the job as conference chair, to carry out the message. We all need to be working as one if we're able to win the majority. Remember, majorities are not given, they are earned. And that's about the message about going forward. Joining us now is Daniel Flatley, congressional reporter at Bloomberg News. Thanks for joining us, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Wanted to talk about the uh, fight going on within the Republican Party right now. It seems like Liz Cheney is getting it from all sides. She's fighting with former President Trump, the leadership there of the Republican Party, Kevin McCarthy, and, and a lot of others, you know, don't know what to do if they should try to oust her again. It seems like her leadership role there in the Republican Party could be numbered with regards to that. So, uh, Daniel, help us walk through what's going on right now. This all sort of goes back to... January 6th, obviously, and, and also some of the rhetoric leading up to the certification of the Electoral College results, uh, where we saw the riot at the U.S. Capitol. And Cheney has been really outspoken over the last several weeks about former President Donald Trump's role in encouraging his supporters to march to the Capitol and using rhetoric like fight like hell and things like that, that during the impeachment trial we had earlier this year, it was argued that, that that was you know what led to the riot occurring. So it's not so much that uh, Cheney has said this or even that she voted to impeach former President Trump earlier this year. It's that she's been continuously asked about this and has not shied away from responding in very strong terms about how she views what President Trump did or former President Trump, I should say, did and what she views his role in the Republican Party, and she feels that he should have no role going forward. Many of her colleagues feel differently, and so she is once again facing potentially a motion to have her removed as GOP conference chair in the House. She survived an earlier attempt to oust her in February, but there's there's certainly a lot of discussion about that potentially happening again or a vote on that happening again. So we'll see when Congress comes back next week what happens. Former President Trump put out a statement calling uh, Joe Biden's presidency the big lie. And Liz Cheney responded on, on Twitter. She said, you know, anyone that's claiming this is helping to spread that big lie, turning it back on him, saying you're turning your back on the rule of law and poisoning our democratic system. 
Trump responded to that, said, you know, uh, people I mean, don't even like you. That's kind of a familiar tactic of his. So this is where the latest kind of fight comes from. And Kevin McCarthy, the leader of Republicans in the House, said he's just hearing from members and they, they're not confident in her ability to carry out the message. They're looking towards the midterms and they're still betting big that President Trump supporters and his support will win them back the majority. So this is where he says, at least, that they've lost all confidence in her. There's a lot going on right now. You know, certainly Kevin McCarthy wants to be Speaker of the House. And in order to get that position, he needs to uh, lead the Republicans to victory in 2022 during the midterm elections. Now, history would seem to be on his side because the party that's in opposition uh, usually comes back in a midterm year. Obviously, President Biden won last year in the 2020 election. And so Kevin McCarthy is really hoping to be speaker and he's hoping to lead the GOP to victory in the 2022 midterms. And I think he feels that in order to do that, he needs to have everybody on the same message. And he views certainly um, Liz Cheney as sort of uh, deviating from that message. And he wants to get everybody on the same page. And I think that it reflects how uh, much of a grip the uh, former president still has on the Republican Party, particularly in the House. It's a little bit different in the Senate. And that's kind of what's so interesting about this, because Liz Cheney's position is not that much different from Senator Mitch McConnell's. Uh, He, after the impeachment, of course, he voted to acquit the president. But after that vote, he lambasted uh, former President Donald Trump on the Senate floor, said he could be uh, uh, perhaps, um, you know, subject to criminal prosecution and and all sorts of other things. So he's been out there with some of this same rhetoric, although he hasn't been as uh, as vocal about it in recent weeks. So there's a lot going on there. And, And the other thing that I was thinking about in terms of this story, which is interesting, is that You know, one of the reasons why the Republicans lost their majority in 2018 is because they lost ground with suburban women. And, you know, they've long been criticized for not having more women involved in the party and not having more women involved in leadership. So for them to take the one uh, woman in Republican leadership and and kick her out, essentially, uh, while sort of, you know, trying to make up some of this ground with uh, suburban voters and suburban women voters, you know, they're going to have some difficulty in trying to square that message. So there's right. there's a few different dynamics at play here. Yeah. And Liz Cheney for herself, pretty reliable on the conservative policy issues. She's spoken out against things that Joe Biden wants to get implemented. But this mostly seems to be about Trump and his hold on the party, because, as I mentioned, she's a reliable conservative. If they're going to coalesce around a, a message, why wouldn't it be about policy things? And it really all just seems to go back to the former president. I mean, if you had asked me about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, I would have said the Cheney McCarthy dust up is, is long over. President Trump's hold on the party or former President Trump, I should say, his, his hold on the party is rapidly waning. You know, he's no longer on Twitter. He's not on Facebook. He's, you know, sending out press releases from Florida, which don't have the same impact as some of his earlier sort of missives. Yeah, some of that noise Um, has definitely died down and all of that. It has. But I think what you're seeing now is, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's maybe we were premature in thinking that his power was on the wane. I think tomorrow or or in the coming days, uh, Facebook is supposed to make a decision about whether he'll be allowed back on the platform. I don't know whether the McCarthy's comments are kind of timed to that, but there is sort of a sense that, you know, this struggle is is not over. Now, I should note that Liz Cheney survived that earlier attempt by 
145 to 61. So those who were, you know, forecasting her demise were, were way off. So she may, you know, live to fight another day. The story is far from over, but um, the struggle is far from over in terms of whether President Trump or former President Trump still has that stronghold on the GOP. This uh, recent episode would seem to suggest that he still does have quite a hold on it. Daniel Flatley, congressional reporter at Bloomberg News. Thank you very much for joining us. All right. Thank you. This generation is not as different as their predecessors. What potentially is different is that they may be getting diagnosed and having these conditions at earlier ages, which, of course, does create a longer time span for having to deal with doctor co-pays and medication costs and things like that. Joining us now is Megan Lenhart, senior money reporter at CNBC Make It. Thanks for joining us, Megan. Thanks for having me. There at CNBC Make It, you guys have launched a new feature called Middle-Aged Millennials. I happen to fall within this category, so it kind of caught my eye, but it's a series exploring how the oldest members of this generation have grown into adulthood. They've gone through the Great Recession, the COVID-19 pandemic. They got a lot of student loans, stagnant wages, rising costs of living. The housing market is crazy right now. So these millennials are all starting to turn 40 right now. And what we're seeing is that 44% of older millennials already have a chronic health condition. And this could impact their futures greatly when it comes to, obviously, their physical health, but financially as well. Everybody's going to start uh, seeing the doctor more, paying more for medication, co-pays. All of this continues to add up. So, Megan, tell us a little bit about what we're seeing with our older millennials. We have been working through this new series. It was sort of launched because the oldest millennials are turning 40 this year, according to Pew and a few others who kind of do these generational breakdowns. And it is interesting because we talk so much about this generation struggling with student loans, struggling to become homeowners, and we don't always talk so much about their health. And I know, obviously, over the past year with the pandemic, we spent more time talking about Americans' health, both mental and physical. But we really wanted to dive in here because we felt like this was an opportunity to take a step back and say, over the course of their lifetime, where do millennials and older millennials fall when it comes to their health, particularly around things like chronic health conditions, which, as we know, can really play havoc with folks in terms of their lifespan, their health, but also their finances. And what you guys were looking at outlines the top five, at least, chronic health conditions that most of the elder millennials are facing right now. So it was really interesting when we were working with Harris, we reached out to about a thousand older millennials and pulled them to find out which chronic health conditions they were experiencing. And so it came back that many of the conditions that you and I, I'm sure, <laughs> experience are being felt throughout the generation. So things like migraine headaches and depression and asthma were among the top three. And then actually type 2 diabetes and hypertension rounded out the top five. And of course, those are issues among that all Americans are really prone to. So this was kind of interesting to see that this generation is not as different as their predecessors. What potentially is different is that they may be getting diagnosed and having these conditions at earlier ages, which of course does create a longer time span for having to deal with doctor co-pays and medication costs and things like that. 
Now, of course, this could be a good thing. One of the experts I talked to, Dr. Benjamin, had mentioned that it actually can be, you know, really a good idea to get diagnosed early. A lot of times the worst effects may be reversible if that happens. You may actually end up prolonging your lifespan, things like that. This is not to say that this is all gloom and doom here. With all of these things, these financial effects, as you've kind of been talking about, too, everybody's more prone to spending, you know, twice as much if you have at least one chronic condition. If you have two chronic conditions, you might spend five times as much. So all of this really begins to add up. And and one of the things you were mentioning, too, is, you know, throughout the pandemic, right, a lot of people stopped going to the doctor, stopped some of those regular checkups. So a lot of people are also predicting another wave of this, uh, finding out more of these conditions that you might have. I think we've sort of neglected a lot of the health care responsibilities that we have during the pandemic. But when you do neglect these sort of preventative care appointments, it can lead to problems down the line. Certainly some experts are expecting that we will see increases in the diagnosis of things like type 2 diabetes, as well as some of the cancers and things like that that you may be able to catch if your doctor were screening you regularly. That said, you know, we also are probably going to see some additional effects from COVID in terms of the Lohr syndrome that we're sort of seeing come about. A lot of folks who did contract COVID and unfortunately have even mild cases may be experiencing symptoms long term, which of course means more doctor's appointments, potentially more testing, things of that nature. Megan Lenhart, senior money reporter at CNBC Make It. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you again for having me. I want to know the moment when you said, you know what, that's it. Even though I'm hesitant, I'm going to get it. Marie from New York. When I did the last focus group with you and you had the doctor from the CDC on, he explained it much better than Fauci or any of them ever did. Joining us now is Dan Diamond, national health reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, Dan. Glad to be back. They're, uh, we're still trying to find all those uh, vaccine skeptics and try to change their minds we're starting to see some of that turn a little bit, but, uh, you know, it, it's so hard to pin down. We, we've kind of plateaued with all the doses going out right now. There was a recent focus group, and we've talked about these focus groups before, Dan, on uh, seeing where people stand, why they don't want to get the vaccine. Then maybe we can uh, target some messaging towards them and help change their mind. So we saw a recent focus group again where we did see a few people change their mind. So Dan, walk us through this. Why did they change their mind and, and how is the messaging going to change now? Well, some people had been in an earlier focus group about two months ago where they came in and they were all Trump voters, came in saying they weren't planning on getting the shot. Now, some of them did get the shot and they came back to talk about why it changed their minds. And in many cases, it was about getting more information. Researchers, doctors, scientists believe it's much safer to get the shot than to run the risk of getting infected. There also were people who had very personal decisions about why they had gone from vaccine skeptic to vaccine ready. Sometimes it was talking to a family member who had been sick and said, you know, you don't want to get this, do whatever you can to avoid the coronavirus. In other cases, it was as simple as listening to a radio segment or perhaps even a podcast. One of the people that spoke out said, hey, you know, I want to take my families to Yankees games and they're not going to allow us in unless we have a negative test or vaccine. So let's go for it. 
the Biden administration just set out a new goal, 70% of adults to have at least one shot by July 4th. That's their new goal. But still looking at polling and all that, about a quarter of adults don't plan on getting the vaccine at all. 40% of those are Republicans. So what are we going to see in how the messaging changes now? Well, I think a lot is down to what's known as the ground game. It's less about what President Biden can do. He can give soaring speeches. He can appeal to Americans to be patriotic and do their duty, he says, and get a shot. But really, it is about members of the community or local ideas and initiatives. Here in Washington, D.C., I tagged along last weekend as a number of volunteers went around the town and just made sure that people knew where they could go to get the vaccine, knew about the benefits. There are a lot of folks who might want to get a vaccine and they just don't know how to go about doing it or they haven't really made a plan. So I think the hope is that public health officials can win over enough of those folks to get even closer to the immunity levels that we need to ward off the pandemic. And as the focus group proves, there are people who may have said, we don't want the shot, but then can get their mind changed if they get better information. Some of the specific examples we got out of the focus group about why people changed their minds. One that struck out right at the beginning was a woman who said that she didn't want to turn into a zombie. She was kind of haunted by the, the I Am Legend movie with Will Smith, where the story was, you know, it was kind of a botched vaccine type thing or something. And, and and people, you know, turned into these, you know, creatures, basically. But but that was kind of in the back of her head why she didn't want to do it. So, Oscar, I hadn't thought about this movie in years. I went back just to make sure I got the facts right for the article. I went back and researched it a bit. It was a cancer cure that went wrong. And I think that, you know, you and I might chuckle a bit about it, but this is not an unusual complaint. The vaccines were developed so quickly that some Americans are really worried about the risks. And in fact, the doctor who won this woman over, and I should say this woman, she was an African-American woman. She's 61 years old. She's a Democrat. She's not uh, a conventional Trump supporter. This lovely woman, Kim Simmons, she told me she was watching C-SPAN and a Johns Hopkins doctor took a call and I went back and found the call. It was eerily similar. It was someone asking about Resident Evil, a series of video games and <laughs> movies, which are also about about zombies. And instead of laughing off the question, the Johns Hopkins doctor took it seriously and said, look, this is what you need to know about the extensive clinical trials and why we think the vaccines are safe. And if there were side effects, we would know really what the side effects would be. So that won her over. And I think that's the kind of messaging that matters most. A radio segment even changed somebody's mind where they had guests that were long-haul symptom holders of COVID-19, and they talked about their own personal experiences, and then they got the vaccine and, and their symptoms lessened. And that struck a chord with some people also that were hesitant at the beginning. So there's a lot that goes into this. Uh, you know, a lot of people talk about, uh, you know, these Republicans in these hesitancy group that don't want to take it, but young people also figure into this. They don't feel like they need it. Dan Diamond, national health reporter at The Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me back. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. 
I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.